you are listening to By the Book. Because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. This is Alan Griffith, your host for episode 81 of By the Book. We've been talking about living in victory. We spent a few episodes talking about Job, what a study that is. And then last time we were in Hebrews 12, and we got from about verse 5 uh, down to, I think we read verse 11. We didn't talk too much about it. But uh, I want to pick up there and continue uh, our study on this matter of living in victory, because I want to tell you, folks, we have to, we have to do this. Uh, there's too much heartache, too much defeat, too much discouragement, too much anger, uh, too many people who are living in depression. And uh, boy, what a push there is today for pills and all kinds of medications for depression. And people are buying into that. And I want to tell you something, you get on medication for depression, you're probably going to end up more depressed. Listen, if you're a Christian, listen, if you're a Christian, God knows God knows about the mind. God knows about emotion. God knows uh, the thinking processes and understanding. God knows all these things. God knows us. God wants us to live in victory, and he teaches us how to get that victory. And so I know the heartaches of life can be absolutely devastating. But I want to tell you, I have seen people who have gone through the devastation and walked away from God, but I've seen people who've gone through the devastation and they have run to God and they have found peace and they found the ability to go forward. They've continued to serve God. They are perhaps more effective for God than they ever were because now they have some deeper understanding of the trials, troubles, and heartaches of life. And sometimes if you haven't been through it, you don't fully understand it. You might care, but you don't understand. And I've said that to many, many people, because sometimes people care and they don't say very intelligent things to help somebody because they do not understand. And so people care, they often don't understand, and you might have experienced uh, some of that. However, let's come back to this. God can give us victory. God can give us victory. Now, I want to say this. I think it's important. I always say it in counseling. If by chance, I'm kind of out on a limb here a little bit, but if by chance you are on some medication for depression, do not go off that medication until you get the doctor's permission to do it. If you've been put on something, stay on it until he says, you know, I don't think you need it anymore. And here's what I want you to know. If you're going to take that medication, take it, but find your ultimate victory in God and what God says in this book. There is no reason for Christians to go through life in constant depression and fear and upset, and they're not serving God, and there's no joy in their life. That is not what God wants for us. And so we have to get a biblical perspective on trial and trouble and difficulty and heartache. If we get that perspective, we still may hurt. It still hurts, but we can serve God in victory in spite of some of the hurt. So, Hebrews chapter 12. That's where we were last time. That's where I want to pick up for this episode. 
And if you get there, I want to read verse 11 to you. We closed with this verse in our last episode. I'm going to open up with this verse, maybe give a little bit of history as to where we were, but then move forward and see the pathway to victory by looking beyond the experience of hurt. So verse 11 of Hebrews 12, the writer says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. Chastening. We mentioned last time this term is rooted in the idea of uh, uh, the parent disciplining and training the child. And if you're saved today, that's what God is doing with you, and that's what God is doing with me. God is disciplining us, and he is training us. He's trying to make us into the person that he wants us to be. He wants to equip us to serve him in the way he wants us to serve. But this powerful statement is helpful, very helpful, because the writer writes it, but it's the word of God. And here's what it says, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. And I want to tell you, that is God speaking words of comfort to us. That is God who is not only telling us that he cares, but he understands. God understands. God understands what you and I go through. And God is a God of mercy and compassion and grace. So here's what he says to us. No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Life hurts, doesn't it? And you and I have a God in heaven, our heavenly Father who loves us, and he says to us, I understand that life hurts. I understand there are great difficulties that come in life. I understand there is hurt that comes at the hands of people. I understand the heartache of sickness and the tragedy of death. God says, I understand. But he's trying to let us know that everybody, as we've seen earlier in this text, everybody goes through the hard times. It is not what we go through. It is how we respond to what we go through that makes the difference. And if you have been responding in defeat and discouragement and depression, you got to get by that. And it might be that you're listening and you're okay, but you have loved ones who are in depression. They're in discouragement. Get hold of these truths for yourself. I want them for myself. And then truth that we can pass on to others. So verse 11, no chastening, the disciplinary work of God, the training work of God in our lives often is not joyous, but grievous. There are things, folks, that you can't learn on the mountaintop. I love the mountaintop, don't you? 
I love it when everything is going well. Nobody's sick. The car's running fine. We've got enough money to pay the bills, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everything's fine. Everybody's happy. Boy, what a great time that is. But you know, there's a lot of things you can't learn there. There are some things you can only learn when you get down into that valley experience. And when we get down there, we need to realize I'm here because God wants to teach me some things. So verse 11 goes on. Nevertheless, afterward. That's a great word. That's a great word, afterward. I want you to know something. We get in the midst of heartache and we think there's no afterward. I'm never going to get out of this. This is never going to change. No, there is an afterward. Now, the truth is, for some people, the afterward is the eternal afterward. But I want to tell you, praise the Lord for that. There's a day coming when we'll be with the Lord and there won't be any more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering, no more sin. It is going to be absolutely wonderful. But I also want you to know, and I talk to myself about it all the time, there's an afterward often in this life. We're going through the hard times, will it ever end? And then praise the Lord, we come out the other side and we've gotten through it. So here's a nevertheless. Yes, the chastening is grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it, the chastening, yieldeth, it produces the peaceable fruit. Oh, so many people have no peace. God is the God of peace. God can give you peace even when there seems like there's no reason for peace. Peace is one element of the fruit of the Spirit. God is able to give us the peace that passes understanding, Paul tells us in Philippians. And that's a part of what this statement is all about. The chastening can actually yield peace. You come out of the hard time with peace. And it is called here a peaceable fruit of righteousness. You see, a lot of people come out of the hard times now wanting to and willing to do wrong. With all I went through, it doesn't matter now. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And we come out of a hard time and we we do wrong. But here we are told that God's intent is that the chastening will produce in us the peaceable fruit of righteousness. I'm going to come out of the hard time with a greater commitment to doing right than ever before. Now, there's another part of verse 11. Don't miss it. Unto them, evidently not to everybody. Not everybody has this experience but it is unto them which are exercised thereby. Lord, I'm hurting. Lord, I've been through tough times. But Lord, I want to learn whatever it is you wanted me to learn. He told us in verse 10 that what God does, what God allows is for our profit. 
And so the question becomes, did we profit? Did we profit from that experience? Did we profit from that hard time? Or did we learn nothing? Did we only get angry and defeated? Well, you see, the peaceable fruit of righteousness is unto them which are exercised that uh, thereby. That means we learned the lesson. We learned the lesson. We profited. We didn't enjoy the experience, but we came out the other side and we have profited. We have grown. We have become more of what God wants us to be, more the Christian that God would want us to be in order to serve him better. Now, there's built into these verses an obvious promise. And the promise is no matter what we've been through, we can profit from it if we are willing to profit, if we want to profit, if we want to be more holy, if we want to live more righteously. And therefore, that gives us a perspective that we need to get in life when hard times comes. And and the perspective is this, I'm going to, by the grace of God, get through the hard time and I want to learn whatever God wanted me to learn. I want to make sure I profit. I don't want the heartache to be wasted. I can profit. I can grow. I can be better. I can be better for God. So with those kinds of things in mind, the writer now goes on in verse 12, and I want to be careful because I know hearts are tender in these areas, but I want to go on to verse 12 where it says, wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, verse 13, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. And I'm going to hold right there. There's a little more in verse 13, but I'll hold it right there. What is the writer getting at? When he says to you and to me, we've been through our hard times, we have the possibility of growing and learning and so on. What is he getting at when he says, wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down? I want to tell you what he's getting at. And what he's getting at, folks, is self-pity. There are many, many people who are going through life feeling sorry for themselves. And you might be responding to that statement by saying, oh, yeah, well, if you knew what I went through, you wouldn't be so happy either. I understand that. I understand that. And I can maybe throw that back and say, well, if you went through what I went through, maybe you wouldn't be happy either. But listen, we we can't live there. This is God's word. Lift up the hands which hang down. You think you can't go on. You think you can't continue. You think you can't have joy again. Yes, you can. Lift up the hands which hang down. The feeble knees. The feeble knees of people who say, I've been hurt so badly, I can't go on. I can't serve anymore. I don't want to serve anymore. I don't want to live for God anymore. Verse 13. Make straight paths for your feet. Renew your purpose. Renew your goals to live for God, to serve God, to be a testimony for Christ. 
Get purpose, get direction, make straight paths for your your feet. Stop sitting around feeling sorry for yourself. Get out of the doldrums, get before God. Lord, if I was supposed to learn something as much as it hurt, I want to learn it. I want to come through this. I want to walk with you. I want to be the better person for it, the better Christian for it. Would you do that? Now, there's a warning. Verse 13, make straight paths for your feet, lest lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. You think it's bad now? You think you're in trouble now? Let me tell you something. It's only going to get worse if you don't turn to God. Verse 13 ends with this little phrase, but let it rather be healed. The hurt, the heartache. Listen, you can't change the past. Sometimes we wish we could. We couldn't have controlled things back there anyway. Often we were the victims of experiences. We didn't do anything to bring it on, but our our life was hit by whatever, the trial, the trouble, the difficulty. And again, we can't change it. We can't fix it. Wish we could. And we have been left wounded spiritually, emotionally, mentally, for some people, even physically. Well, God doesn't promise a physical healing, He doesn't promise that. Physical problems come. Sometimes they get healed, sometimes they don't. Often, depending on the problem, it will eventually give way to death. And we know that. We know it's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. We're all going to die, except the Lord Jesus comes and takes, takes us home. I wish you'd do that today. But, you know, God says this to us. He said, you can't change the past, and you're hurting now. Let me heal you. God will heal us mentally. God will heal us emotionally. God will heal us spiritually if we are willing to be healed, if we will let God heal us. And some people don't. Some people won't. No, I am miserable. This is the way I am. This is the way I am staying. Oh, my, don't do that. Let it rather be healed. Let God pull you out of the self-pity. Let God pull you out of the desire to just quit and give up. Let God bring you back to loving him, living for him, serving him, getting purpose, moving forward. That's what God wants to do. That's what God can do. Nobody else can do it. Now, the writer goes on. He gives us some some cautions. Listen to it in verse 14. He said, follow peace with all men. 
Follow means to pursue. He says, pursue peace with all men. Now, I, I've read that verse and wondered at times, why is that verse put in there at this point in the discussion? And I want to tell you what I believe is happening here is this, the recognition that much of our hurt comes from people. People hurt other people by what they say, what they do, what they don't do, whatever it might be. There's a lot of hurt that goes on between people. And so what is the writer saying? He's saying, if you want to be healed, you cannot continue to stumble over that person. You can't point at that person and say, that person is the reason I am so defeated. That person is why I quit. You can't do that. You cannot go through life carrying a grudge. You can't do it. You have to give that person to God. You have to give that situation to God. You have to get it out of your hands. You have to get it out of your mind. God is faithful. God will deal with people the way they need to be dealt with. Give it to him if you want to be healed. And then he said, you also need to follow holiness, pursue holiness. And then it says this, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, that statement needs explanation. But let me talk about this for a moment. You and I, who have been hurt in life, need to pursue holiness. The tendency is to give up and quit on God and to live with an I don't care attitude. No, look what happened to me. I tried to serve God, so I don't care anymore. Oh, no, you can't do that. You got to go the other way. You got to turn to God and say, God, I do not want to follow the path of sin. I don't want to give up. I don't want to give in. I don't want to throw in the towel. Lord, I want to live for you. I want to be more holy than ever before. I want to reject sin in my life. I don't want to fall into the trap of sin. Those two things are important. And I want to tell you why. The verse goes on and says this without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, we said that we're talking about getting the victory by looking beyond the trial and trouble, looking beyond it to see what is God doing. If I am supposed to profit from that which has been my greatest cause of defeat, how am I supposed to profit? What does God want me to become? What does God want me to learn? How does God want me to change? I want to understand that. I want to understand that. Now, here's the thing. If I am angry and carrying a grudge against people, I'll never be able to get hold of what God's trying to do in my life. Or if I have given up on my Christian walk and now I'm, I'm living a sloppy spiritual life, I, I talk the way I shouldn't talk and I, I don't worship God the way I should and whatever else it might be. Listen, if that's where we are, we're never going to see what God has for us. So when it says, without which no man shall see the Lord, it isn't a matter of, well, if you don't get this right, you'll never go to heaven, you'll never see God. That's not it. Without which no man shall see, no man shall be able to perceive or understand 
what God is doing in their life. Think about some of the things you've gone through. Don't you want to get some idea of why God allowed that? What he was trying to teach us, what he wanted us to learn, how he wanted us to grow. Don't you want to get hold of some of that? Because again, so many times people are willing for the the possibility of, of growth, the possibility of learning lessons, maybe hard lessons, but, but we let all that get wasted because we don't turn to God and say, Lord, if you have something for me to learn, then I want to learn it. If you want me to change and grow, I want that in my life. Lord, help me. Help me understand what you're doing in me. Now, verse 15, and we're going to close with verse 15 in this particular study of Hebrews 12. We're going to go to other passages in our coming episodes to deal with this whole idea of trial and trouble and suffering and victory and so on. But verse 15 becomes very important because it says, looking diligently. Now, we were just told about seeing the Lord perceiving what God is doing. Lord, why are you doing this in my life? Or why did you do that? Or why did you allow that? And then the writer says, looking diligently. You need to look diligently for that. Lord, I, I want to know what you're trying to do in me. And then there's a reason why that has to be our attitude, why that has to be our desire. Lord, I want to learn. I want to grow. And the writer says, look diligently for that. And then he gives this warning. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. Now, we've seen a lot in this text about God wanting us to profit and God wanting to produce in us holiness and righteousness. And then then he makes this statement, lest any, excuse me, lest any man fail of the grace of God. I want to tell you what's wonderful about God. He doesn't always change the circumstances, does he? We wish he would. He doesn't always protect us from things that can go wrong. Often we experience them. But God is always seeking to minister to us by his grace. Remember the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12? He got the thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet him. And he begged God to take it away, to change the situation. Oh, there have been times when I've begged God to change the situation. and You have too. And for whatever reason, sometimes he does, sometimes he does not. But what God said to Paul when he did not change his situation is this, Paul, I'm going to give you my grace. And you're going to find out that my grace is sufficient. You're going to find out that I didn't have to change the circumstances for you to get victory and learn what I want you to learn. 
my grace will be sufficient. That term means enough. My grace will be enough. And that's what God says to you. That's what God says to me. And that's what God says to the hurting people that you and I know who have walked out on God. They're not serving him anymore. God says to them, I will give you my grace and it will be enough. I will heal you if you'll let me. And then he said this, and I want to tell you, this is the warning needed for this day. Lest, the verse goes on, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. The term bitter is rooted in the idea of poison, bitterness. So many people I know, so many people I've met who have been troubled and are being defiled and destroyed through bitterness. Their life has been poisoned. There was a time when they wanted to serve God. They wanted to live for God, and and they had the idea that we all do, and that is that, boy, if I live for God, then things will be good, things will be okay, and all of a sudden, boy, in comes the tragedy, in comes the, the heartache, and we are poisoned by that. And poison, bitterness will ruin you, and then the writer likens it to a root, a root of bitterness. I always compare it to the dandelion root, if you have dandelions where you live, and that that uh, deep root that goes down into the ground, and it is tough to get out, and it can just destroy. Well, it's it's the root of bitterness that destroys us, and it's tough to get out. It's a deep tap root like that dandelion root, tough to get rid of. But you know, God says, I may not change the circumstances. Boy, we stumble over that, don't we? But I will give you my grace. I will be there for you. I want to teach you. I want I want you to learn things you couldn't learn in any other way, and that's why I'm allowing you to go through this. But the leftover emotional and mental and spiritual heartache and hurt, I can heal that if you'll let me. Let me make you into the person I want you to be. Victory. Our victory comes, at least a part of it comes, by looking beyond the experience beyond the hurt, to God's grace and to the lessons that he wants us to learn to become the people he wants us to be. Lord bless you. Till next time.